everybody, and welcome to the Fortress of Comic News, episode 80. I am one of your hosts, Chris, alongside... Mike, the other host. What's up, Mike? You were gone last week. I know. Uh, I don't even remember where I was. Let me think of... Was I, was I at a wedding? I you were at a wedding. wedding. Yeah. Yeah, I was at a wedding. Um, at, a, at a hop farm, drinking beer, doing the things and the stuff. Um, Living the yeah, that's pretty life. much it. Yeah, after like next, I got something to do next weekend. Then I'm pretty much set, ready to talk comics for the rest of the summer. Um, we have a very special guest on the show today. From uh, he writes for writes and draws for alternative alternative comics. He has a book coming out. Um, his name's Robert Geronimo. So stick around in the show to hear an awesome interview with him. Yeah, he awesome. was a lot of fun. Uh, for those of you watching. On YouTube, you can see this awesome monster from behind me is actually from his new book, uh, Blood Realm. And also in the interview, he shows us some exclusive pages behind him of art coming up in that book. So if you want to go check those out, head up the YouTube page. Look at me being good and advertising things. You're starting to get this thing. You're starting yeah, to I'm starting to understand how this works. <laughs> I'm finally on board. Um Chris, you have something so, fun to mention, huh? Speaking yeah. of uh, speaking of attire, I wasn't talking about attire at all. But speaking of, so if anyone, uh, we are doing some merchandise stuff through Teespring.com. So if you go to Teespring.com/slash/fcn-t-shirt, we currently have a t-shirt up. It's going to be up through mid-August. About um, you can buy it, have it ordered to or sent to you. Uh, so if you want that, it has our awesome Batman 66 logo on it. And uh, if that goes well, we'll try to do some more and maybe in the future do some new, uh, new new art on them and stuff. But yeah, they're really cool. They do print run stuff for apparel and posters and all kinds of stuff. So I'm sure in the future you'll be seeing more Fortress Comic News stuff go up through there. So uh, yeah, check that out. Awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely picking one up. Um, all right, we're gonna ju- we have a big show today. We're gonna jump right into the news. Uh, uh, Chris and I really like to talk to each other, but unfortunately, this show keeps getting popular and popular, and now we don't have much time to talk to each other. Plus, we're uh, we're leading up to San Diego Comic Con, so yes, the, the early news is coming out now. Next week yes. is the con. Yes, I'm so excited. I can't wait to like. I can't wait to sit, sit at my desk and pretend to do work while I'm watching panels. Yeah, and it's going to be actually kind of good that you're not here next week because I get a chance to sit and digest everything. And then Yeah, the end of the week to- is always... Yeah. I used to watch it live. Honestly, I just... I kind of watch all the, the videos as they're posted after, like on YouTube. I watch the big review. I just skip to the big reviews, basically. <laughs> um yeah, okay, so we got some TV news. Uh, Aliens TV show is in the works. Um, maybe? Might be happening? Might not be happening? Yeah, and I don't know how I feel about it. I love Aliens. Like, yeah. Aliens hasn't been done very well recently. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like mining a franchise that doesn't need it, but we'll see. Haven't seen that happen before, Chris. I don't know. Never. <laughs> Never happens. We actually talk about that in the interview. Reboots and... Yeah. It's just... I don't, we'll see. Uh, maybe it'll be good. 
uh, preacher this week. I uh, Chris is behind, but I watched it. Um, listen, I I don't know how many times I'm how many times every week we got to tell you the show is amazing. This this week was amazing as well. Um, we get a little more into the the development of uh, Cassidy, and we find out like okay. Uh, Angelville doesn't take kindly to monsters and vampires, basically. So, oh. yeah, I essentially yeah. had some internet problems this weekend, so my uh, uh, normal okay. time to watch it was interrupted by my internet provider being bad. So that's that's my excuse. That's fine. I mean, it's great. I, there's nothing really I can spoil. Um, we do get a talk of the coffin. So we might see that coming up. We might see Jesse being thrown into the coffin. Fantastic. Uh, Tulip is kind of exploring, trying to figure out how to get rid of that blood right document um, that Jesse gave to the grandmother because they can't leave unless they get rid of that like blood oath he gave her. So he's kind of like in debt to her until she she decides when. Um, all right, so we got we got quite a bit of movie news. Uh, I saw the Shazam, the Shazam photo that dropped. What did you think about that? That was like straight from Jeff Johns's run of Shazam. Yeah, uh, it really showed an emphasis towards bright colors. Yes, which is something that the DC <laughs> Extended Universe has not been emphasizing. So I thought it was great. It looked great. Um, is it Zachary Levi, who's playing Captain yeah. Marvel, he yeah. comes his look. And everything comes off cartoonish, but I mean that yeah. in a good way. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So I'm really excited. Like that image alone got me stoked to see this movie. And as far as like playing a kid trapped in an adult body, I mean, he did that for like what, six seasons on Chuck. So <laughs> um, he's got some experience doing it. Yeah, it looks great. It's it's like him standing there with his uh his buddy with the with the crutches. I can't remember his name. Uh but he's standing there drinking uh cola outside of a outside of like a, a gas station looks awesome I'm, I'm really excited for it hopefully we get to see some test footage maybe a trailer next week i don't know i don't, know. I don't think maybe. we'll see some very goddamn so. aquaman trailer it's all i got i know say. we better get an aquaman trailer. james wan you son of a gun we're here <laughs> we're waiting um billy d williams is returning for star wars episode nine this kind of split the star wars fan base down the middle this week um I don't know if you saw it, but like I saw it on the internet. People were like, there was half the people saying, well, it, it all started off with like, okay, why did you not have Billy D. Williams come in for a cameo? Blah, 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 blah. And now they're like, okay, well, now he's getting a cameo. It's like, he's way too old to do that. And it's like, oh my God. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a good idea. I mean, so let's get one thing out of the way. Harrison Ford was way too old to be in episode six or seven. Yeah. So, sure. yeah. and, he, and he was awesome. So, uh, I, I'm excited for it. I guarantee you this was a last minute change because of uh, Carrie Fisher's unfortunate uh, passing. Yeah. But at the same time, like he needed to come back at some point. And it seems like he's going to play a somewhat major role in the story, which I really hope is the case. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So, more. Uh, more Spawn movie news. It's still happening. <laughs> and Jeremy Renner uh, signed on to play um, Twitch Williams. So to the cast so far is Jeremy Renner and uh, Jamie Foxx. 
you know, I'm not too familiar with Spawn, but getting Jamie Renner star of, of the Avengers yeah. movie seems like a big yeah. deal. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's almost like they're trying to get you to go see this movie with just the actor. Well, I did like no. that McFarlane said that the reason he wanted Jeremy Renner was Spawn's not going to be in the movie all that much. He's kind of, you'll see in the interview we talked, or I should say Mike talked a lot about horror and things being kind of hidden in the background. That's kind of the feel they wanted for the Spawn movie was you don't want to see Spawn too much and he needs to be kind of a feared uh, vision and all this. So the movie's really going to follow this Twitch character and they wanted someone like Jeremy Renner who could really push the movie forward to do it. So good on him. I'll, I'll see it when it comes out, but it, I yeah. still, I just have no idea who this Twitch character is because I've never read yeah. a single frame of Spawn. Me either. I, I didn't mean anything to me. Um, Neil Blum, Blumkamp is going to direct a new RoboCop movie. This, I was excited when I, when I read this this week, uh, Neil Blumkamp, um, Oh man, he did. Uh, what was it? Elysium. He did uh, District Nine. District Nine and uh, the Chap Chappy Chappy Chappy. Yep. Yeah, and he's do he was doing the Predator movie, right? Wasn't wasn't the Predator movie his or no? It was for a minute, and then he dropped out. He might have been. He's been attached to a bunch of stuff over the years. Yeah, um, I am so excited and. Uh, he always uses uh, what is Charto Copley is his name, I think Copley, um, as like his me- main lead. If he's RoboCop, that's awesome. Because <laughs> like every movie, he has like killing people. Like uh, I love RoboCop, and I I think it's time we got a reboot. I mean, I know we had the um that the newer newish one, which was but, only it was okay, but it wasn't yeah wasn't RoboCop and when when Frank Miller created RoboCop RoboCop was commentary about the political system in the 80s mashed up with the typical action movie like trying to make fun of that typical action movie that uh-huh. was coming around that time who better than Neil Blomkamp in the 2018 to do that like the man yeah. knows how to do sci-fi with a political commentary and he yep. can run an action scene. So as long mm-hmm. as he has a good script and a good team behind him, he, there's no one better to take over RoboCop. I'm so excited for this. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be great for sure. Um, okay, with that, we have a we have an interview to cut to everybody with uh, Robert Geronimo. So we'll uh, we'll see you on the other side. Welcome back, everybody. Today we have another amazing guest, Mr. Robert Geronimo from Alterna Comics, uh, author of Blood Realm. How's it going today, Robert? Great, man. Happy to be here. Not only the author, though, are you doing the pages, too? Yeah, I'm the illustrator and the uh, the colorist as well, so I don't sleep. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so basically, you're doing everything but the lettering, right? But the lettering, yeah. I work with uh, Thomas Maurer. He does a lot of stuff for image and stuff. The lettering is like a whole other thing, and that I need to like get familiar with that. Especially for your book, too. Uh, I know we're kind of like jumping right into it, but um, there was a lot of stuff to talk about. But the lettering in your book is very strategic because the way you, I noticed the way you do your art and set up a page is not like a typical comic book. Right. Um, which is not a bad thing. It's awesome, especially for the, your art style mm-hmm. and like the, um, the really dark, like gothic style art. 
Right. Uh, but it's interesting, like his choice of like where to put the the word bubbles and stuff. Right. It's yeah. It's extremely strategic because you really want to follow that formation so your eyes can go across this page. Because like you said, some of it's not traditional panels. So mm -hmm. you're depending on the art and the lettering to guide you through it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, okay, so before we get into all that, okay, mm -hmm. so how did you get into comics? You're, you're teaching now, you're teaching illustration now, which is awesome. We'll talk about that a little bit. But uh, so what, what brought you into this, into this world? Okay, so as in like when I was a kid and what made me want to Yeah, we'll start there. I mean, why not? Yeah, good origin story. Chris loves origin stories, so. <laughs> so basically, um, my mother, believe it or not, is a massive comic book fan. My father, um, he appreciates it, but, you know, he was a Marine, Vietnam mm -hmm. War, so, you know, not a big yeah. comic guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but she was a huge Superman collector. She loved Superman, and she took me to my first comic shop and she really desperately wanted me to get into Superman. So, you know, I'm looking at Superman, I'm like, this is cool. You know, my mom really likes Superman, but my eye just kept, it wouldn't stop just going to that corner. And I would just see John Constantine Hellblazer with yeah. those covers. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I want that. And she was like, no, absolutely <laughs> So my first comic was Superman. It's that, I can't remember the number. But it's that awesome black silhouette where he's just bursting through the chains mm -hmm. and it's, it's a green background. And that I was hooked from day one because I was like, wow, this is a moving uh, story. Like mm -hmm. it's alive. You know, it's like yeah. seeing, you know. And well, the funny thing was, I never really actually read the comic. You know, I don't know if you had this experience where I would just kind of like go through the pictures and then make up my own. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I was a kid too, I was like, "Oh man, Iron Fist is on this one." I'm just gonna flip through the pages and hit exactly. people. Yeah, I actually didn't know why Doomsday and Superman were fighting till years <laughs> later. I was just like, "Oh, maybe yeah. you know, you just did, they just didn't like the way you looked." You know, I don't mm -hmm. know. <laughs> 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 and that's funny you bring that up too, because uh, uh, we had a guest on earlier um, in the month that we talked about how comics nowadays there's a lot more dialogue and a lot less like punching each other to yes. where like, and that's what made it more interesting. I think for kids, I mean, talk with you, with your illustration mm -hmm. background that it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of action going on. Everything's action packed, but now like these days with image comics and, you know, Scott Snyder writing Batman with this huge 50 issue story arc and all that stuff, it really relies on the storytelling and people, I, people get more critical and critical of that, like everything adding up and, not so much like, okay, I don't want to see people punching each other anymore. But. Right. No, we're definitely like going back to a time of like real solid, heavy duty stories now, which mm -hmm. is really yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you started off with Superman. All right. Yeah. So start off with Superman. Um, uh, just long story short, I did eventually get it, get that Constantine comic. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and that's when I really knew that, okay, um, this is my passion. I love horror. Yeah, and you know, always making uh, you know stories when I was a kid. You know, I'm sure you mm -hmm. guys could relate. Just coming up with characters and stuff like that. And I reached like a break where I, I was like, okay, I'm just I'm gonna not get into this stuff because you know it's like you kind of reach like a point where you think you got the holy grail when you read Watchmen mm -hmm. and you read that Dark Knight Returns. You're like, wow, yeah. they all must be like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. And you're just yeah. like, oh, there's some bad stuff out there. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, for sure. So I took a break, and then in high school, 
um, that's when they started Civil War. And my friend was like, dude, he was like, Captain America and Iron Man are fighting. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? He was like, you, you got to get into this. <laughs> After that, I was hooked. I got back into it and then reignited my, my, my passion for John Constantine. Yep. And then ended up interning at Marvel Comics in uh, uh, during my college years. So that was an incredible experience to really awesome. learn the comic was put together and made. Yeah. That's, that is so cool. Yeah, and so cool. obviously you went to school for, um, for illustration. I went to school for art, but I also wanted to be, uh, uh, an art history professor. Cause I love history. Mm-hmm. You know, or, like some of my favorite movies are like the Indiana Jones movies, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> all that stuff. It's like, it's yep. great. So I guess I kind of wanted to be like Indiana Jones, you know, and, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Learn about the Holy Grail and all this cool art. Yep. So I was doing that, and then um, I was going for my master's in it because you know you got to get like a PhD and all this crazy stuff to end up being a professor in that field. Mm-hmm. And there was a course being offered with uh, Bruce Deegan, who's the creator of the Magic School Bus. Wow! <laughs> I was like, oh man, I haven't drawn in so long, but I feel like I need to take this course. I owe it to my childhood, you know, to try <laughs> class. Yeah. Yeah. So. I said the hell of it, had nothing to do with what I was studying, took the course, and it was just like, oh, man, I was back into drawing again, That's back awesome. into retelling in comics. And then after that, you know, it was, I told my folks that I wasn't going to pursue this whole crazy professor thing, you know, yeah, but yeah. working out in a weird way. That's what's ironic, you know. It's like yeah. you end up falling back, you know, because I wanted to be a professor, but then the art career led me to being a professor anyway. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> it comes full it's funny how that works out like that. Yeah. yeah, that's that's awesome. And I I heard don't worry, I heard you mention you say you love horror. I love horror. So Chris, you're gonna have to buckle in for this episode because <laughs> we're gonna talk a little bit about that. He's not um, a horror guy. Chris isn't a horror guy. Well, he is, but I I mean he he gets spooked pretty easily. And I I always tell him about horror movies, and he's just like, I'm not gonna watch that. <laughs> it takes it takes a very special horror movie book, whatever. Like. I don't get into the genre, but when you get to the greats, The Walking Dead, George Romero, um, sure. um, some of the old uh, Friday the 13th and stuff like that, I enjoy, but I don't get into the nitty gritty like Mike does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm like, I'm like watching uh, Korean horror films and stuff. Like that. Oh, <laughs> stuff, man. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. We'll talk about that too. I'm sure on the show. <laughs> um, okay. So before we get into the, the, the new book and cause that's a little tied to the horror and stuff, let's, uh, so let's talk about Little Maya um, and how that started off. So um, the Little Maya book was actually, the character was created in that class with Bruce Deegan. Oh, okay. So, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So funny thing is that, you know, I was like, he was like, you know, what do you plan on doing? You know, you're graduating and everything. I was like, well, I'm probably going to go and try and get a PhD. got to apply to a bunch of schools, take on a big loan, you know, and, and be like our history professor. And he just looked at me and went, don't do that. what am i gonna do he was and this is what he said he was like you know it'd be a shame if you don't give little maya the chance that you know she deserves Mm -hmm. i was like oh damn when the creator of the magic school bus tells you that you're like maybe i should try and do this yeah so had no experience in children's books, you know, but what was cool with little Maya was that why he liked it a lot is that there are no words in little Maya. 
So I kind of mm-hmm. took my experience of, you know, my relationship with comics when I was a kid where I wouldn't mm-hmm. read the words. I was just going through the stories. I said, let me create a story that has no words where a kid can use their imagination, name the characters except for little Maya and imagine what the characters are thinking and saying. And it could be a good introduction to comic book storytelling. Wow. Well, I ended up doing a Kickstarter and yeah. I mean, Kickstarter is a whole nother topic. The one thing I learned is that you don't run a Kickstarter. Kickstarter runs you. Oh, it was brutal, but I'm very fortunate that, you know, it got funded mm-hmm. and, you know, it's ironic because as much as I love the little Maya stuff and the children's book stuff, I feel like that was kind of a stepping stone to get me back to what I always love. Cause a comic that I wanted on that shelf was Constantine. It was hard. And I found that I was warming up when I would draw the little Maya pages. I would warm up drawing these horrific things in my sketchbook. Yeah. I was like, Maybe this is a sign, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I took a break from the little Maya books after that, cause there were three that were kickstarted. Yep. And then my first reintroduction to horror was the agent 87 in the black train book. Okay. So, yeah, and you saw that on my website. Yeah, so we could talk about uh, that. Wow, I, I mean, I usually I have to do the segues, but you kind of took care of it. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I could just sit back now for this episode. This is great. How did this happen, man? I don't know how that happened. Yeah, Oh, there goes my face. What, yeah, what a coincidence that. Okay, so let's talk Agent 87. How, oh, so you took a break from little the, the children book thing, and, um, and then you got into a little more darker of a story. Exactly, and going back into, like, again... Indiana Jones, I wanted to go back to those Indiana Jones roots where it's a globe-trotting adventure because I love, love pulp. I love mm. the comics of like, I don't know if you remember too, remember the Phantom with Billy oh, Zane? Yeah, yeah. That, mm-hmm. that, that movie ages like a fine wine and it's so underrated. It is so I, good. Yeah. yeah, it is. It really is. And it's funny you just mentioned that because I, I was telling Chris, I'm, I'm actually re-watching all of the Venture Brothers. Oh. Um, yeah, and you know one of uh, I can't remember his name now. I think he's I think he's uh, Phantom Limb. Yes, is is yes. an exact reference of yeah the Phantom, and it's like that. Uh, I'm just I was just laying on the couch like watching that, thinking like, oh man, I used to watch this movie on VHS like religiously. I'd go over to my grandmother's house, yes. and that's the only movie I'd watch. I'd always pick that movie. Yeah, yeah and it's and it's, it's that classic style of like. Um, yeah, I get, like that old, like Bronze Age superhero stuff, right? Oh, it's the best. And also yeah. during that time in the 90s, which is ironic because a lot of this generation now, they're getting the Thor, they're getting all that stuff. But our comic book movies when we were young, it was obscure, like The Shadow with mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin. You know? yeah. <laughs> yes. like, who, who asked for that? But it was awesome. You know, <laughs> even the figures, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And even, even Tim Burton's Batman was very pulp-like, you know oh, what I yeah. mean? Yep, for sure. You know? And uh, kind of noir feel to it. Right, and there was another one too I forgot, but I, I really, really, I, I love Pulp, and I love how there's like this interesting period where it's like pre-World War II, and, you know, people are still discovering stuff at the Egyptian tomb, so, you know, mm-hmm. like you can mm-hmm. tie that in with horror, you know? Yep. Well, Agent 87 ended up being like a character like that, where she's a secret agent during World War II, She's a master of disguise, so no one really knows her true face. She takes on different identities throughout uh, each mission. Wow. And fun little, cool little sidekicks. She has a French weapons maker named Pierre, who she rescues from, 
from uh, Nazi Germany and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, in this one, the Black Train, she's battling the Axis powers. So the Japanese are experimenting on all these uh, people and creating these wild, like flesh-eating creatures, and they're oh, wow. putting the train to like literally bombard their enemies. You know, so she yeah. has to go stop it. So it's like Walking Dead meets Indiana Jones kind of deal. Yeah. It's, yeah, and I, I haven't got a chance to read that, but I'll, I'm going to try to find it somewhere. I know it's sold out on your website, but... Um, yeah, sold out of that. So I'm, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, I'd like to bring that into like a comic book format, maybe with alternative, so we'll see. Yeah, that, that'd be really cool. So I mean, that's... So after you did that, you how did you feel? You're like, okay, this is these are the types of comics I want to be making, right? Yeah, it, it just I felt right at home. I was like, you know what? You know, it's funny. You go back, you really go full circle, and you're like, you know, mm -hmm. wow, like Picasso was onto something when he was like, you know, you have to draw, you have to draw like a kid again. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yep. oh, did it literally. You know what I mean? I was mm -hmm. like, oh, what inspired me as a kid? And it was hard. So Blood Realm is just, I mean, an amalgam of everything I love. It's horror. It's the history. Mm -hmm. And also um, being a superstitious Italian Catholic. I mean, like the exorcist is the most terrifying movie in the world because not because it's like creepy. It's because, Oh no, when you're superstitious, that can happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's, it's, it's like true events. Come on. Um, the, <laughs> exactly. yeah. So that, and that's interesting too. Cause I, I definitely noticed that. Uh, so I guess we'll, I mean, you casually mentioned blood realm. So let's talk that. I mean, another segue. There we go. Uh, <laughs> So where did, is this something that you had an idea for for a while? I mean, you can tell there's a lot of like uh, the whole, I mean, the whole, the trio of the nuns and everything, you definitely kind of inter, intertwined a, uh, like a, almost like a religion yeah. uh, aspect to it as well. But yeah, totally. Um, I mean, mythology in general mm -hmm. is yep. something I always loved. I mean, I knew like day one, Clash of the Titans, the original in the 80s, that Medusa scene was just like, wow. You know, like, yeah. that blew me away because the lighting, and that's the one scene where, like, I'm still like, wow, this is creepy. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. The way, like, even the way she looks, the way she comes out, and then you see the guys turning into stone. My favorite thing is, like, when you see her, like, the place where she is with the columns and this, the ruins, and I'm like, wow, like, what was here before her? You know, like there's a history without telling you all the backstory. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like the here really tells the story of that whole scene. And that's kind of what I wanted to bring into with Blood Rum, where I give you enough where you can let your imagination go and you, you know that this is a long breathing uh, world that has a long history. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yep. Mark history, you know? And the nuns, the, the, the Sisters of Silence, definitely, who are the protagonists of the story, you know, echo, like, nuns and stuff like that, like, in terms yeah. of the, And, um, yeah, the dragons, you know, I mean, I love Skyrim, so I had to put in a dragon. <laughs> you had to put in a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah and I, I mean, okay, let's talk about the story. I mean, I, I read it, uh, Chris read it, and I thought I thought it was really interesting to take the protagonists, who are the, um, the nuns, right, the sisters, and um, they don't speak. Uh, they only talk with the gods, right? They only are, that's their only conversation is with the gods. So that's pretty interesting to have a, a mute uh, main character, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. And uh, they're basically, it's almost like my idea for them was where, you know, they say that, you know, Buddha reached like some kind of nirvana, 
Mm-hmm. Right? That's the whole thing in Buddhism. And that when you reach nirvana, you, you are literally like the closest you can be. It's an enlightenment, enlightening, an enlightenment. But with the sisters, what's interesting is that it's almost considered, you know, is it a blessing or a curse? Because mm. they have, they reach this enlightenment. They're the only ones to do that. These three sisters did it. But there's something deeply, you know, disturbing and you know, uh, scary about their abilities, though. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People can't comprehend, you know, who they are. And so that's why they're feared at the same time. They're also mm-hmm. revered as well. Yep. You know, so everything is told through the eyes of that character, Meek, you know, who, who meets them. Because uh, yeah. I'm also a huge fan of Conan the Barbarian, you know, so I don't, I don't know if you see that influence a little bit in my oh, work. Oh, for sure, yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's interesting, yeah, the uh, first issue we get to, we meet Meek at the very end, right? Um, right. And that's, uh, and then you're like, oh, okay, so he's, uh, this is where he meets up with them. Um, but there's so much... I mean, even like, yeah, we get to the the present story, but like <laughs> you kind of do a lot of, there's a lot of storytelling before we reach that point. We talk about like the age of monsters, right? Or the, the age of beasts. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's, there's no way you can't go back and tell stories about that too. I mean, come on. It's like, <laughs> there's, there's so many directions you could go with this book. And I, and I can't, I can't help but imagine you must have quite a few stories planned out here. I mean, this is, yeah. Alterna has been great. Peter Sametti, he is, you know, the reason, one of the main reasons I wanted to go with Peter and Alterna is because he is just totally on board for what, you know, the indie creator wants to create. Because I'll be yeah. honest, I don't think this is something a major publisher would take on. And we can we can go into that on how modern oh, yeah. everything is very similar, especially, yeah. you know, the aesthetic, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we need some kind of indie underground voice you know some publisher that's going to say hey let's let's take the risk i mean look even george lucas said that star wars would never be made in today's oh. time because mm-hmm. oh, yeah. yeah there's not one producer is going to look at that and be like um yeah i don't know if i want to take the risk on this mm-hmm. you know what I mean? yeah so exactly we live in a very safe look we see remakes and reboots constantly you know mm-hmm. well, where would the comics world be without vertigo Right, exactly. Oh, totally. Well, yeah. Constantine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Even, so, even Marvel Max in the beginning, you know, I mean, they yeah. were killing that Punisher run, you know? Oh, yeah. Preacher, too, going back to Vertigo. But yeah, gonna- I was going to I was gonna mention Preacher, and I, uh, Chris and I have been talking about that show every week because it's uh, season, oh, yeah. new seasons on. And, yeah, I mean, that's, and, and when, you, when you mentioned, like, the Holy Grail of comics, you know, because when everybody's, when I first got back into comics, it was like college, but um, yeah, that's what you got to read the Dark Knight Returns and you read like maybe Why the Last Man and then you pick up Preacher mm-hmm. and then you start reading the stuff that's coming out, you know, regularly and you're like, okay, where is, <laughs> where's all the iconic stuff that I read? You know, where's my Alan Moore Swamp thing? I'll never see that again. Oh, um, Alan Moore Swamp thing is just, oh my God. It's, it's, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, uh, and so even Animal Man by Grant yeah, Morrison. Yeah. Oh yeah. Grant Morrison's Animal Man. Yep. That's a, it's a fantastic read. Yeah. Um, and now, so how many issues do you have planned out right now? Is there right? So uh, what I was getting at was, uh, so Peter was like, "Listen," he was like, because he read the whole arc because mm-hmm. he does mini series, and I had three issues of this, and it was a finished story. And he was like, "Listen," he was like, "You can tell a lot more in this world." He was, "You're kind of you're really building a universe here." He said, um, "Would you be interested in telling more stories?" And uh, I ended up signing a two year contract, so there's going to be. 
four, awesome. Yeah, four miniseries in total for three issues oh, each. Really cool. So I have a lot, a lot of stuff planned. It's allowing me to really just just evolve this universe and stuff like that. So and yeah. again, I love the newsprint format because there's nothing like opening up a comic and just smelling it and just feeling that texture. <laughs> uh-huh. you know I mean? Yep. Like yep. everything's so damn glossy now. <laughs> everything's high gloss. Yeah. 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 It's like. You know, back in the day, even with the old pulp books, you know, the old shadow novels when they were coming out in the 30s, they were meant, they were pulp, the, the reason they call them pulp is because they were like on poor paper because yeah, they were yeah. Awful. and then you just throw it to the next person. You know what yeah. I mean? Like literally throw it. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Because that, you know, they didn't, they didn't look at them as like high art. Yeah. But that, that was the beauty of it. You know, it was intended for that purpose. I think the problem is now is that everything is so focused on being an art book, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I want the pulp. I want to get the creases in the magazine. You know what I mean? I want to feel, yeah. you know, the texture and the, the crinkles in the newsprint. And mm-hmm. what's really cool about the newsprint too is that it ages. So for me, like with a story like this, it kind of makes it feel like an old manuscript. You know? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that like that goes with the whole uh, mythological story too of like, oh man, I, I found this old this old scroll with this story. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like 300 years from now, someone will find it and be like, wow. <laughs> oh my God, the sisters of silence, they're my goddesses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we found new stories of like an ancient past that we don't know about. Um, that's, that's so cool. So, I mean, and, and you're teaching illustration now. So, um, but you're also writing the book too. So where, where did the, where did the writing come into play for you? Did you just always were, you know, into writing stories or yeah. it kind of comes to you as you're drawing you're like okay well i'm already telling a story with my art if i can right. just put a little bit behind it yeah you know what's funny is that i i always felt you know when i was younger and as i was getting older it was like you can't just do one you can't just do both because one is going to suffer if you're, mm-hmm. if you're concentrating on the other and that's what that was my mentality the whole time and so i found myself going through periods where it was like all right it's fall it's writing season. I, I love to write during fall. I get super inspired during the fall. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I would, I would be like, all right, next season, I should just, you know what, forget it. Forget this writing garbage. That's crazy. I'm just going to focus focus on my art. And I would just do that constantly until eventually I, I was I was drawing. I was like, wait a minute. Why don't I just write this damn thing? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, why am I putting these, these barriers on myself? Mm-hmm. And the, the one thing I notice is that once you just write and you stop caring. I know it's crazy. It's like, don't think, just write, just draw. Because you're, you're your own worst enemy. You really are. And just concentrate on getting that first draft done with the knowledge that you're going to make like 12 more drafts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. They, they need to just make one draft and it needs to be perfect. You know, that's not how it works. And once I realized that, that it takes time, you're going to go through several drafts. I got comfortable with writing and doing art at the same time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think it's easy to, to do both. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, we, I don't think we get a lot of guests on here that do both. Um, especially for deadlines too. I mean, you're, you're definitely under deadlines now, right? So now, yeah. <laughs> now, now you got to get a script and the art out. That's uh, yeah. I try stressful. to do, I try to at least, cause the way I work, I, I actually don't, um, I think the old Marvel way, wasn't the old Marvel way, because this is how I do it. I don't actually write the script first. I draw the pages first. Okay. Then, then I put the words. 
because in my opinion, the way I like comics is where I believe the art shouldn't serve the writing. The writing should serve the art because it's, it's a, it's, it's in my opinion, you know, that's just how mm -hmm. I like to interact mm -hmm. with books. And I think it's, it's kind of a pain when, you know, you're giving a strict script by somebody and the artist has to like, okay, interpret that. But wouldn't it be cool if the artist just, you know, I think that's the way it was with Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, wasn't it? In, in the beginning, like, wouldn't he say, listen, I got a story, this and that, it's got to be this many pages. And yeah. then Jack write it and then no would illustrate it. And then Stan would go, okay, I could fit some words in here. Yeah, it wasn't really clear cut like scripts. And right. then so, Stan, yeah. Stan basically plotted and then they drew and then right. they went back and wrote the words. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, yeah, I find that format that works for me. And every artist and every writer, you know, works very differently. I just find that if I, if I stick to a strict script, I can't allow for those like little happy accidents to happen. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, mm -hmm. well, you know, now if I do this, I could add in a page here you know, that could expand this little uh, scene that's happening, you know, as opposed to just being like, so, uh, you know, second. Yeah. Um, and that's, you go ahead, Chris. Oh, I was gonna say, that's what I like about when I, when I write, cause like I have my thoughts of what it's going to be. And mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, it's inspired by something else. So like it, it's, you know, I haven't thought of being this character and it's inspired that way. But then when I just say, this happens, blah, blah, blah. And the artist gets it. And the artist just like trying to interpret what I'm meaning. His interpretation is usually better than the inspiration that I got from somewhere else. <laughs> right. Yeah, Cause I mean, that's the illustrator's job is to read this, absorb it and then interpret it like really visually, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's but, why, uh, I talk about just comics as a medium anyways. Um, I always, I always make this, uh, this example of like, people are always like, you got to read the dark tower, man. Like, I know you don't read novels, you read comics, but read the dark tower. And I, I mean, well, the dark tower is a comic now, but the, right. my, I always go to like the example of, okay, there's like, when you open the first version, I think the dark tower, I think it's the gunslinger is like the first volume and you're reading it. And it's like talking about him walking across the desert for like 35 pages. I mean, Stephen King's a great writer. Like people love that. Yeah. And you know, I'm reading it. I'm like, okay, he takes a drink of water. And it's like, when you get to the graphic novel, okay, you open the graphic novel and it's like, that's all, that's all given to you. They don't, I mean, it, it shows him walking through the desert. It shows him yeah. making a fire and taking a drink of water all in two pages. Oh yeah. Totally. And the, the visuals, amazing. I mean, the art in that book is amazing too. So I'm like, this is more, I'm getting a lot more content in a quicker time is kind of like how it is. <laughs> but, um, no, it's true. It, it really is true. And you know, like, one thing that people don't understand, especially when they're, you know, you know, illustrating or writing comics is that you have a lot of different jobs in one. And you know, that's why it kills me when I, when someone like reads my comic and then they just, they go like this to it. Mm -hmm. oh, I spent like 20 hours on that page. Can you just give it five more seconds? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my God, please. Yep. But like you were really the, the screenwriter. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm just I'm, I'm assuming if someone's doing everything, uh, then the uh, so you got the screenwriter, then you have your the, the artist is the and and the writer the director, right? Mm -hmm. It also the cinematographer. Mm -hmm. Yep. The costume designer. Okay. Yep. The actor because you have to show expression. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know? 
and it's it's really a lot in one. The only thing that's this is what's the coolest thing about comics. The one thing you can't control um, is how someone hears that character's voice. Yeah, yeah, yep. You know, like like uh, I go by that visual, but who knows? Maybe you know your Frank Castle could sound very different from my Frank Castle. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you can't control how the reader you know goes through the story. So you need to kind of arrange the art in a way where they can go through the story the way you want, but it's still not under your control completely, you know, mm -hmm. but I like that, but it's, it's the voice thing that I love, you know, that no matter what, like they're going to listen to that, those sound effects, they're going to hear that voice. Yeah. And it's totally different for every person. And, so. and it's just, I mean, I, uh, I think almost every time I read Batman, it's like, it's always Kevin Conroy now. But, oh yeah, <laughs> um, totally. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's interesting. You said that because like, obviously you, um, and not to really spoil the book, but we meet the there. So through that narration, you're kind of like, oh, okay, like this is someone's telling the story, and you, it's kind of just I don't know a default voice. But then you meet uh, what is it, Meek at the end? Yes, and he's kind of like a like what like a scrawny kind of demon looking character. So. And then, okay, now you have a voice for him on that page. Is exactly. that where it comes into? And it's kind of like, you know, this little screechy, like, troll voice is what it turned into for me. But it oh, was like, really cool. until now. And so that's interesting that you bring that up because they're, because um, that's like, you can tell it's established in that page. I mean, you see him and then you, okay, your your mind kind of makes up a voice for him almost. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And that, that, yeah. that's what's. That's what I wanted to do too, because you're, you're kind of wondering, all right, this whole book is just like a third person narration, you know, by yeah. the author. But then when you finally get to that scene where you realize, oh, there's a story that's being told by this particular character, you know, mm -hmm. it, then what happens is it also makes you think, oh, wow. So that means any other character I meet here through Meek, they may not be safe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not to spoil it. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so okay. So let's talk about horror uh, really quick here. Uh, so obviously that's influenced you throughout your life. Um, you know, you've always been in horror movies, and I mean, you said Constantine, so you already have a dark influence there um, with like the monster movie stuff and uh, Swamp Thing. So how how did you get into that? Or well, my, again, my mom was always into pop culture stuff, so yep. Halloween time it would be okay. We need to put on the Wolfman. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> Dracula. Yep. My grandmother would have the old VHS tapes. And it's funny, weird saying that now, right? The old VHS yeah, tapes. Yeah, the old VHS tapes. <laughs> <laughs> this is very strange. <laughs> like, what do you do with them now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she would have those, and, you know, I would just watch those movies, I would rewind it, watch it again. And mm -hmm. it, like, it was just, it was a whole nother world. And what's so cool, even with the black and white, when I was a kid, I thought this was like real. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, this is found footage. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. from that time period. So that was really my introduction, and then slowly, the first uh, rated R movie I, ha I ended up being allowed to see because, uh, you know, uh, strict uh, Catholic house, a lot of rated R movies were not allowed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Alien. Oh uh, man. I, and I love, I love that you said like horror right i mean that's it, it's so it's so everybody talks about like alien and aliens is like yeah it's almost 50 it's it's 50 50 of like okay one's an action movie one's the horror movie of course yeah but totally. yeah 
I think that might be in my top five horror oh. films for sure. No, I saw that, and it's funny. I guess my mom gave in because she was like, it was like I was like thirteen, and she was like, "All right, let's get Alien." I mean, I think it was like I think it was different. I think she was just in the mood to watch it, and she was yeah, like, yeah she just wanted to see it too. The hell with this Catholic crap? Let's just let's just watch the movie. And so, and I mean, talk about like visually stunning. The the whole marketing for that film was, I mean, it was the uh, that poster of like in in uh, space, nobody can hear you scream, right? Oh my um, God. That was the tagline for the film. What and like you know, Ridley Scott was genius. Oh. <laughs> it just, just the, I was terrified when I first saw it because you didn't mm. see the creature. It was yep. just glimpses, flashes, glimpses. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's when you know your your imagination is going and going. I mean, obviously, we can go into the, the, the later films. How now? You know, you see it all the time. Where you, you know, you kind of that just happens with horror when you see something over and over again. You know. It, it kills the you know the heightened tension mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for that first film when you first see it. I mean, not to mention the body horror. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a huge influence in my work, and as you go through Blood Realm, um, mm-hmm. body horror for sure. And then that, yep. then my fascination with body horror led to later on uh, Chris could tune out for a minute. Korean and Japanese horror. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely, yeah, that's definitely what they focus on. Um, and I, I mean, I, I've watched, I watched a few of those now, but, uh, it, it definitely gets more into the body horror, but, and, and I feel like a lot of those horror movies fall into the trap of like, okay, you can almost split it down the middle 50, 50 of like, okay, this horror movie is a jump scare. It's going to make a hundred million dollars this opening oh. weekend because people want, they want to go see like my bloody Valentine 3d and they want a cheesy jump scare. But then, and then, and then you're going to get this audience for another movie like the witch or, um, yeah, like some type of psychological (laughs) horror or like even the witch, there isn't that much dialogue in a movie like the witch. It's just visually stunning and it's visually creepy. Um, the witch is great. And, um, it's, it's, it's built, and, and again, an influence in Blood Realm for sure with the witch is just of just atmosphere. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. it's just tension and just it's 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 there's a build up, which is why for me The Exorcist isn't just a great horror movie; it's an excellent drama and thriller because the exorcism isn't like the last half hour of the film. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. This build up, you know, this tension, and not to mention um, that freaking white face. It's just, I can't, I, I can't look at that. I can't. Yeah. yeah. If I see it, my, my day shot, I'm ruined. <laughs> I close my eyes, I'm like, oh, damn it. Yeah, no, that's all you can see. Yeah, it's terrifying. And um, then, yeah. if you see, now you read Blood Realm, so the Dark Lord Siphus is yep. by that face. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's pretty creepy looking. <laughs> yeah. And for I mean, for you, is it like, I mean, you're the one drawing these creepy faces, right? So is there a point you reach where you're like, okay, I can't draw this past 10 p.m. tonight because it's Oh, gonna... yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I realize that I'm not succeeding as a, as a horror artist mm-hmm. if I'm not disturbed. Yeah. So if I'm drawing this face and I'm not just like, I need to get the hell out of my own house and run, mm-hmm. then I'm not doing a good job. So I try to, I purposely try to get myself uncomfortable when I'm yeah. drawing scenes. And it's a good way to face the fears too, I think. Yeah, <laughs> head on, you're looking right at it, right? So, um, and let's talk about that really too, really quick too. I mean, you said horror artist and um, obviously you've been talking about it, but you have some 
like are these commissions on your website or are they just ones that you draw and then you end up selling yeah i, I just those are stuff that i do just to warm up sometimes and mm -hmm. then i just uh i throw them on the website and i sell them yeah and uh, that that's when i really saw that oh wow this horror thing is something Coffee. that yeah and people really connect with what i'm doing with these characters and the style that i've been like you know evolving into yeah so i i range from like constantine to uh, prometheus you know yep. So Slender Man was a big one. Yeah, Slender Man. I, I, that's probably one of the. I mean, the best renditions of Slender Man I've seen. Uh, and then you have I mean, the the penguin from Tim Bur uh, Tim Burton's film is. I it's it's pretty terrifying to begin with, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like you made him like a horror movie. Uh, oh yeah, totally. <laughs> and then the Pennywise. Pennywise is great. Um, oh thanks. Funny story with the Pennywise one. Okay, I sold that at Comic Con. Was it last year? I think I do mm -hmm. New York Comic. Well, where yeah. are you guys based? I'm based out of Massachusetts, uh, Chris. You're out of uh, Western New York. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Well, again, if you guys ever come to New York Comic Con, you got to stop by and say hi. Um, uh, so basically, I had the Pennywise for sale, and obviously that movie was hot. It just came mm -hmm. out you know, a couple of months before that. And, you know, you, you, you kind of think you get a good read on who's going to buy things. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? You see customers... And this kid comes up and he just looks at, at Pennywise like this. <laughs> I was like, hey, buddy. And he was just like, that's Pennywise from it. And I said, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he, his mom walks over and she was like, um, all right, come on, let's go. And he was like, I want that. <laughs> and my mom was like, absolutely not. She was like, if you, I'm not kidding. She goes, if you want that, then you're going to pay for it with your own money. And all of a sudden, I'm not kidding you, this kid reaches, still staring at Pennywise, reaches into his pocket and just pulls out bills. <laughs> wow. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I was like, dude. <laughs> he really has his own money. <laughs> I don't know. It's pimping or something. I don't know. What <laughs> he slapped that cash right in my hand and took that Pennywise home. This kid had to be literally like 10, 12 years old. He was that is awesome. He was prepared. <laughs> he knew he, he went there and knew and he was going to drop money on one thing. <laughs> All that lunch money he stole. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> For sure. Or maybe yeah, so, up all his allowance, it went to Pennywise. So yeah. I was on, I was on. <laughs> so, I mean, those got a real people in. I mean, if you display those at a con man, Oh yeah. Bring people to your table left and right. I would yeah. imagine. And originally, you know, the book, um, uh, the interiors weren't going to have the red. So I assume you guys enjoyed. The, did you guys enjoy the comic with the red visual style and everything? Oh yeah, yep. yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. yeah. Oh, cool. yeah, that oh, was good. actually uh, Peter Sametti's suggestion because I was just like, yeah, I was still hell bent on like old manuscript, black and white, black and white, yeah. And he was like, you know, I, it looks great in black and white, but he was like, that cover, you know. The covers of the of the comics that you're doing are just so intense and they're so eye uh, eye catching. Mm -hmm. If you can reel that into your interiors, I really think that'll be a great idea. So at first, I was like, ah, oh, hell no, you know, it's not going to work. And I'm putting it in. I'm like, this stinks. And then all of a sudden, I was like, you know what? It's really giving it a brand new life. You know what I mean? And that's that's the power of color, even the subtle little splashes of. It. Yeah. When it comes to black and white horror that I've read in the past. Those little emphases, emphasize of red, right? Really pop out and just bring your eye to that spot, 
and that's what I loved about it is when you just like threw in a little bit of red here and there and like oh, thanks, other than the you know most of it's black and white but then there's just like that just draws you into it yeah especially like in a specific scene you know what I mean it just yeah. it makes it really come to life and pop out in the forefront you know so uh, yeah so good on kudos to Peter for that he was a big advocate for that yeah, it, it creates some really good visuals, uh, especially, I mean, you get that nice contrast out of it, but, um, I mean, you open up with that that first opening page of, like, okay, everything's black and white, and then you get the uh, meat kind of at the very center bottom there. I think that's a really cool visual, and, I mean, you can almost see that as a horror film or something, right? I mean, it's... And it almost reminds... It gives me, like, a Sin City vibe, which is great. That's Which vibe? Uh, like Sin City, like the. Oh so, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I'll tell you my influences now. Then I mean that's. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's I mean, Frank Miller for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, that black and white Sin City, like you just said, number one. Yep. Um, number two is an Italian artist. Um, he's a comic artist. Is so this style of of, of page layouts is mm-hmm. popular with Sergio Toppi. I really me- recommend you guys check out his work. It's very. I, I work in a similar style. Okay. Heavy lit line work, and he just the way he composes his pages, where it's just like just all together in one. I think mm-hmm. Archaea. Are you familiar with Archaea? They do. A, I think they were bought by Boom Studios. Now they did a big compilation okay. with one of his books. And I'll have to check it out. the third artist. So, th- so these are, this is my Trinity here. It's Frank yeah, Benjamin, Trinity, yeah. Sergio Tapi and Junji Ito. If you're not familiar with uh, the horror manga artist, oh uh, yeah, who's a Yep. Uh, Wow, that stuff! At all, I highly recommend if you haven't checked out Uzumaki Man. I've, I, yeah, I've, no, I've never read it, but I've seen like I've seen like pages here and there. Oh yeah, I, I've uh, never been completely. I never knew that line, just line alone, could make me queasy, and like line work could make me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, he really does that with his artwork. Yeah. It's just it's so disturbing. So I, I definitely so it's like those three artists all meshed into one, you know what I mean? Because you have to mm-hmm. take your influences from somewhere. It's, it's, it's normal. Yeah. Yeah, and I, um, I mean, you definitely, the, the like, the half goat, half man people are, they definitely look very demonic and stuff. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the, the whole, so the whole arc of the whole, you know, the whole epic journey through Blood Realm in each miniseries, so we have this war, as you know, with humans, and yep. the series who are the, the goat warriors. Mm-hmm. So each, each miniseries is a different perspective in that war. So this one's Meek and the Sisters. The second issue, uh, the second series is a different group, and then the third, and then the, the fourth is like the epilogue of how mm-hmm. this whole thing concludes. Wow, it's really cool. Um, yeah. So where where's the best place for people to find find you? Uh, best place to find. I'm sorry, you broke up there. Oh, sorry. Best place to find you and like what you're doing, all the all the stuff that you're you're putting out here. Just your website here. No, oh, so yeah, so robertgeronimo.com. But I, I mainly always update my uh, my uh, Instagram. So it's at okay. geronimo art. Yeah, and uh, I encourage people to for sure uh, pre-order Blood Rum if they can. You know, I got to support the indie comics. Yep. You know, now August 29th. And that's through Alterna. Alterna Comics. Yeah. Yep. No. Cool. And with that alternate comics, uh, the newsprint format also means that it is very affordable as well. I believe it's at a dollar twenty-five, dollar fifty, dollar fifty. Oh, see, breaking the bank, man. 
How can yeah, I'm going to say no to that? I mean, come on, that's a, that's a steal right there. I forgot one YouTuber. I forgot who, who was reviewing alternative comics. He was like, a dollar fifty is like basically free. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's almost yeah. free at that point. He was like, yeah. if you walk five blocks and someone tell you you just drop your dollar fifty, what would you do? You're going to be like, oh, I got to run back and get it. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you, you can't go wrong. You know what I mean? And uh, he, he's real. Peter's really taking the risk on some awesome, cool indie stories that, in my opinion, a lot of big publishers just wouldn't really take that chance on. So it's really cool to have that, you know, that underground world again. Awesome. Very cool. So, Robert, thanks again for being on the show. And I uh, look forward to seeing what you got coming out next. And you're welcome back anytime, man. Oh, thank yeah, you. Sure. You guys are great. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for being on the show. And we're back. Wow. I, uh, I, I kind of took the reins of that one. Uh, I heard a horror and I was like, okay, Chris, I gotta, I got, I got work to do. I'm sorry, dude. But, um, I sat back and just enjoyed it. was good. Yeah. And I, it's funny. We didn't record a lot of it, but him and I started geeking out over, uh, hereditary that just came out so we kind of <laughs> i was like we don't need to record half an hour of us talking about horror movies but we shall what a what a treasure we shall definitely have him back on the show uh when we get a few issues out there um yeah i mean awesome dude so uh we got a lot of comic book news to talk about the calm before the storm yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um so static shocks returning in october Yay. Yeah. I never really I cared for Zach Shock. I love the show. I love the show. Um, but this isn't that. This is just a comic. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Like, just give us static shock back. Like, just bring the show back. <laughs> uh, it's whatever. so weird because DC seems to put a lot behind that character and yeah. It never works. You know, like they put so much behind them, then they just I I feel like I don't know. Everybody's always like, that show was awesome. They're like, okay, then here's a comic. And it's like, well, yeah, that's cool too. Like I feel like Static Shock has his own like little fan base within DC. And they've been and they're like, okay, you like Static Shock? Well, here's a Black Lightning TV show. And they're like, No. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what we asked for either. <laughs> like you know, I just want to see. I want to see a win for the Static Shock fans. <laughs> All right, we're moving on. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to shit on it. I, I probably, I'll probably read the first couple issues. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, it Static Shock came out with the original um, New Fifty Two, and was it Mark Bernardin that wrote it? Wasn't it Mark Bernardin? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you guys go back and look. Fact check me on that. Pretty sure Mark Bernard and the other half to Fat Man on Batman wrote that. Um, but maybe, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's time for people to pick it up again. Um, I feel like you got to get people uh, excited again about Static Shock. Maybe they're going to add it to their new DC streaming service. Maybe they'll have all the old episodes on there. Um, I don't know. They should. Yeah. Uh, G. Willow Wilson is taking over for Wonder Woman, which is awesome. Uh, what a great writer to take over for Wonder Woman because she co-created Mrs. Marvel, and uh, that and she her her run. I mean, I didn't read it, but I heard good things about her run with Miss Marvel. Yeah, it seems to me like 
the Bendis clan at Marvel is slowly starting over. to migrate to DC. <laughs> They're jumping shit. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, this is the start. Like Miss Marvel has been a huge character for Marvel recently. Oh and yeah. For the co-creator to leave like that, uh, I mean, I don't know if this is an exclusive deal or whatnot, but for her to jump over and do something at DC is pretty big. Uh, not yeah. Bendis big, but still big. So it's and an interesting her- little migration we're watching here. <laughs> And I, I think I'll be picking up that Wonder Woman um, for sure because uh, the talent, the talent to create your own character and get a fan base like that. Like I remember, I mean, Miss Marvel was hitting newsstands everywhere when that book came out. Like I, you know, that's it was all over the place. Um, yeah, so definitely, definitely gonna be picking that up. Nick Spencer's taking over Archie, um, and they're going back to legacy numbering. So it's gonna start with issue seven hundred. Uh, that I don't know how I feel about that, but um, <laughs> that doesn't. I, I'm kind of indifferent about Archie. I mean, Archie's there; it's great. And I read some of the Mark Wade, Fiona Staples stuff. Um, yeah, I fell off after a while. I'll be interested. I'll probably check it out because I'm an Spencer fan, and he has like the the comedic chops to do a book like this. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Um, it's interesting that Mark Wade's leaving. I don't know. It's got to be. He's done a lot of issues. I'm sure there's a reason. But that's the big takeaway for me is Mark Wade's not doing Archie anymore. Yeah. Yeah, he's off it. So um, this is pretty big news. Arl Stein is signing a deal with Boom Studios to do horror comics. That's pretty cool, man. Arl Stein's back in it, and he's like, wow, I could do this. I could do this comic book thing. Yeah, he did that man thing run a little while back. Yeah, yeah. That so was, now he's it was okay. Uh-huh. Um, but we'll see. I, I wonder. I wonder if any of these uh, books will be named Goosebumps. I, I would. I would. You know, if they redid Goosebumps as like a comic, like each issue of the comic was a different one shot or something like that, I think that'd be pretty cool. That would be. I mean, they just dropped the trailer for the second Goosebumps movie. Uh, I yes, I keep watched. hearing the first one was good, but I never. Yeah, and the second one kind of looks like the same thing. I'm going to watch it because Jack Black's in it, obviously. But uh, um, okay, so Dark Horse announces Hotel Oblivion, which is a sequel to Umbrella Academy. Um, there's a big fan base out there for Umbrella Academy with Gerard Way, right? Uh, is that Gerard Way? Yes. Uh, singer lead singer of the use so that'll be i'm sure lots of people will be picking that up um Broadway is my chemical romance i believe oh i'm sorry the used oh geez i'm gonna get shit for that one i knew that too because i listened to my chorus uh fix that in post <laughs> <laughs> oh no oh, i'm gonna suffer for eternity for that one uh, so i was never a fan of that era of music even though I grew up in it. <laughs> yeah. And I really never liked him. And I, I never read this book. Cause it came out around a time where I was just like, yeah, man, like, fuck that guy. He's in my chemical romance. And <laughs> you know, you've been there. We've all been. Yeah, there. I know. I've been, oh, I do. I still do that about stuff. And, and uh, I'm actually going to go back and try this book out because I've heard, I've had people tell me, like, no, dude, it's actually a really good book. I've heard that, too. And people don't like his other stuff and everything. So I do want to try this the old book out and see. But it, 
yeah, it's a big deal. Like there's people that really love that book and it don't think it's coincidence that it got picked up for a Netflix series and now we're getting more comics. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Definitely not. Uh, Scotty and Lewis crowdfunding a new um, original content book called Death Dreamer. Original graphic novel. Graphic novel. Um, yeah. That OGN thing threw me off there. Uh, <laughs> it's a... Uh, it's going to be with the um, with the vocalist from Carnifex. Oh no, that is the vocalist of Carnifex. Scott Ian Lewis is the vocalist for Carnifex. Yeah, yes, I guess I guess I didn't realize that was the name. That's that's pretty cool. I mean, speaking of, I mean, it kind of goes along with the Gerard Way thing, but it's talking about. Uh, I mean, these guys are writers, right? They're writing music, um, so that's pretty cool. Death Dreamer. I wonder what that's what that's going to be like. I wonder if it's going to be a horror esque book with lots of violence and. I bet because I mean, yeah, mo- most of the Carnifex songs are like that, <laughs> so uh, really heavy shit. So, and that's gonna be at San Diego Comic Con, right? Yeah. So they're crowdfunding it now, yeah. and then he's gonna have copies of the book at San Diego Comic Con. Um, I threw cool. this in here because I couldn't remember if you were a fan of Carnifex, but I'm a huge fan of Carnifex, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I think it's cool that he's kind of doing something else and trying to do this uh, comic thing, even if it's in his own way. So, well, that's fine. Yeah, that's cool. I want to check it out. I love metal, so um, I'll probably end up checking it out too. Yeah. So, uh, been a pretty busy week for news and stuff. But uh, did you get to read anything, Chris? Oh God, I got two weeks of books for you. Yeah. Same. Um, let me just pull up my comic League of Comic Geeks app to see what I read so I can remember. Uh, did I talk about Batman 50 on here yet? Did we talk? I thought I felt like I talked about that. We have not. Okay, Batman 50, everybody. Here it goes. Here we go. Um, Oh, that's right. I talked with Chris at the comic shop about Batman 50. I talked I talked to Chris in real life, everybody. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Um, Batman number 50. So, great issue. I mean, Batman 49 was one of the best uh, Batman issues I've ever read. Batman 50, I, I'm not going to express any distaste with this book until we see where it goes, because uh, that final, the final page in it, I know the articles are all over the internet everybody's everybody's shitting on poor tom king saying he's a bogus writer and all this stuff but it's like you bought 49 issues of his batman run after scott snyder came off a hand run so is he really that bad of a writer like come on um i listen it it was it was good uh i don't i don't understand the whole ending of okay the the wedding never really happens and Bane was behind it all, and we'll see where that goes. I have no comment on that until I get like ten more issues. And would I have liked the wedding to happen? Yes. <laughs> Will I keep reading Tom King's Batman? Yes. Uh, so I that's... didn't. I didn't read the issue. Yeah, because I read it in trade. But I believe I said before this book came out that I didn't think they were getting married because yeah. DC had a thing. Oh yeah, Batman can't be happy. Yeah, we, uh, no DC character can be happy. Yes, but I think that's really over the years because they did that for New Fifty Two, I believe. Mm-hmm. But it seems like Batman's really emphasis on that. So yeah, 
But here's my thing. You've done thing? 70 years of Batman, right? Yeah. You've done campy, you've done this, you've done that. 75. You've done dark. Okay. Why not just try? Like, what's... It's a comic book. You can retcon it later. They could get divorced. Yeah. Like, I... I don't know. It feels to me, and I will never know the answer, but it feels to me like this was DC editorial saying this can't happen. Yeah. Because but, it was all, I mean, the whole issue, honestly, and obviously he's not going to shit it on DC because he's, he's locked in for 50 more issues. Um, but the way it happened, the way, the way the wedding got abandoned so abruptly and like the last two, I mean, the whole issue, you're like, you're like showing off the relationship between Batman and Catwoman. Then the last two pages, you're just like, Nope. Yeah. See ya. That's what that's. And I almost agree with you there because I, it just feels like, how can I change this? Okay. Just tear out the last two pages, insert these two pages. And, and I, I feel bad for Joelle Jones who's doing the, um, Catwoman book. Cause I feel like her yeah. book's going to get kind of shoved to the side over this whole thing. And I've heard it's really yeah. good. Mm-hmm. But I also want to point out, like, you know, the whole adage, great minds think alike. So Marvel did a wedding as well recently. And they mm-hmm. also, at the last second, didn't do it. But what they did do is take two other characters <laughs> and make them get married in that issue. Yeah. So I don't, I, I don't know, I don't understand it. Like, there's cool stories to be mined in these things. Mm-hmm. Why not try it? Like, what's... Yeah, just try it. Yeah. If it's not working, just write comment. Like, um... Yeah, I mean, it's a comic. You could always retcon it. Paper Girls, number 22 uh, and 21. I, I think I talked about 21. I'm actually, I'm, I still like Paper Girls a lot because now we're getting more into the time travel. Like, the group of girls has been, they're in the future now. And the, the issue kind of wraps up. Like, one of the girls had a glimpse of, like, things that should happen. Um, and basically the issue ends with like someone calling for help on a radio and it's, she doesn't recognize the voice, but it, it, it sounds like her. Like, so like she's calling for help on the radio that they have. Um, but she's holding the radio. So some, something's happening. There's a paradox happening somewhere. Um, so I'm interested to see where that goes, but okay. Walking dead one eighty one. Chris read that too. Um, I did. It, it was a good issue. Uh, I mean, you get to see both the groups working together, fight off zombies. There was a copy paste from the last Jedi in it though, for sure. Um, I don't know if it was like throwing, throwing, uh, I don't know what the kids call it these days, throwing haze, throwing something, making, making fun of, I don't know. But, um, so there's a scene where who's that new character with the, the pink outfit princess. princess. She's fighting off. Uh, she's fighting off zombies with that bodyguard dude, um, and not not to be racist or anything, but both of these characters are the same. Um, they're the same race as Flynn or Finn and Rose in Star Wars, and they both almost die, and then she kisses him. And he's really surprised by it. And she said, I thought we were having a moment there. And it was really awkward and not fitting at all. Um, which I think is Robert Kirkman's like making fun of Last Jedi kiss scene. I, so that, that, I completely read it as that. I don't think it's 
I, that's what that's I don't know. What do you think? I didn't get that at all personally. No. Oh no. man. Okay. Wow. I <laughs> I immediately wrote that. I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah, I thought but, this was a a decent issue. Um, it was really showing that the the Commonwealth leader wanted to kind of show their strength to the, to Rick and the rest of the group. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think the bodyguard who was already talking about mutiny uh, issues prior is kind of fed up with their shit because when it happened, he was not informed of what was going on. It just kind of was thrown yeah, upon him. Yeah. He almost died. And he's just like, what the hell was that? And she just said, I knew you could handle it. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't happy about that. Um, I read uh, the the Donnie Cates book. There was there's two guy, Donnie Cates books, correct? There's or I'm I'm sorry. There's only yeah. There's Cosmic Ghost Rider. Yes. I'll let you talk about that. I thought it was awesome. I loved Cosmic Ghost Rider. Uh, the only critique I have is the art was like an eight. <laughs> And yeah. I really wanted Jeff Shaw because he yeah. would have made it a 10. <laughs> yeah, the art was a little, like, for as serious as they were talking, like, the art was a little cartoony. Yeah. Um, I will agree with that. It's interesting because, you know, it's Frank Castle in Valhalla, and he doesn't fit in, and he's given this opportunity yeah. you can go back to one place in time and fix things. And I was sitting there going, like, he's going to go back to his family being murdered. Yeah. He doesn't do that. <laughs> he goes back to Thanos' birth, and it seems like maybe he's responsible for who Thanos is. Yeah, now we're in another time paradox. Yeah, so it was an interesting story. I really want to see what the next issue has on. I mean, this one has baby Thanos, so. <laughs> yeah, and we got baby Thanos, but Cosmic Ghost Rider. Cool. He's like, why are you so strong? <laughs> Um, yeah, that's that's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, that was a great issue. Also, Death of the Inhumans. Yes. Really good. Yeah. Uh, any I don't give a shit about the Inhumans. <laughs> yeah, I'm not <laughs> At like all. A, I'm not a huge Inhumans fan, but when you do Inhumans, you need to do the Royal Family. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And huge spoilers here, but any book that ends with, uh, who was it? I just lost my entire train of thought there. Damn. Um, but ends with these two characters dying. I'm all for. Oh, the... Um, it was Lockjaw, and I can't remember Lockjaw. the other guy's name. Yeah. But yeah, it was so awesome. Like, it was done in such a cool way, and... Yeah, I'm in for the story. Yeah, Black uh, Black Bolt's going to be killing some people, is what's going to happen. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. I yeah, so I had two Marvel books there. I had a Marvel book this week. I read I, I read Amazing Spider Man. I did read Amazing Spider Man. I'm winning everybody. Yeah, three Marvel books in two weeks. That's pretty. That's that's more than usual. Uh, Amazing Spider Man, really good. Ryan Otley's art makes me feel like I'm reading Invincible again. So all is well in the world. Um, like straight up though, Mary Jane and Peter Parker are Mark Grayson and uh, Eve. Like straight up. <laughs> yeah, you said you read Invinci- or Amazing Spider-Man. I'm pretty sure I read uh, Invincible and Eve in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, and it almost started off like a, a Guardian, Guardians of the Globe issue when they're like, Spider-Man jumps in, they're all fighting everybody. Um, really funny that Mysterio ended up being the villain in that book. Uh, that was cool to see because we had just talked about that, didn't we? Or no, we, yeah, because he's going to be in the movie. So they had, there, yeah. there's probably, there probably a little pushing to be like, okay, guys, got to include him. He's going to be in the movie. So... Yeah, uh, there's so much, like, they, they took... I feel like Nick Spencer really wanted to do some Invincible-esque stuff with this book because yeah. the whole aliens coming from the portal in the sky was taken yeah. straight out of Invincible. Yeah, oh, yeah. And uh, Otley's art was fantastic. We I like to pick on him for, you know, we were talking earlier, it looks like the character's from Invincible, but he still, like, he, he knows how to draw superheroes so well. Oh, yeah, and he really, that, yeah. That two-page spread of Thor and Captain America and all the other uh, heroes in the Marvel Universe was just so amazing. And I, know. It was I awesome. love this book. And I love having Boomerang as their roommate who's up at yeah. 5 a.m. playing Call of Duty Latveria. Yeah, that, that's so good. Um, yeah, it was good. And I think it was interesting to see his whole life is falling apart now, which is cool. Yeah, and that was another cool thing is they tied into the superior... Spider-Man storyline, which if anyone knows, that's when Doc Ock took over Peter Parker's body. And also at the same time, Nick Spencer did this little story called Superior Foes of Spider-Man that starred Boomerang. So it's kind of cool yeah. that they're like tying into that and uh, kind of basically ruining Peter's life through that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the falling out of like him as Peter Parker too is, uh, is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I think it's one way to re- reboot it and have him go back to just taking pictures of Spider-Man instead of being like this whole tech uh, tech leader and editorial on the science papers and stuff. Like they're they're honestly they're t- kind of turning him into like a Tony Stark. <laughs> what do you think about it? Like, well, they did for a while there. He owned his yeah. company. And, yeah, yeah, which is yeah. kind of ridiculous for Peter Parker. I mean, Peter Parker was a high schooler with powers and that's how everybody can relate to him it was a great book i loved it i'm gonna keep reading it it's a marvel book another marvel book that i'm reading uh hold on i got i had more oh uh superman number one by brian michael bendis yeah pretty interesting conversation between uh martian manhunter and superman to where martian manhunter thinks he superman should just take the reins and just rule the earth which, which is interesting because I almost I almost see a there's a bridge being burned between those guys. Somebody needs to take Martian Manhunter over to the Injustice universe and show them what happens when Superman does that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so there's definitely more to that that's going to be happening. Also, uh, lo and behold, that villain is back at the end of the issue. Um, the we, new guy. We got a brand new Fortress Solitude because the old one was destroyed. Yeah, he he rebuilds a new one. Um, in the Bermuda Triangle, right? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and then did Ivan Reese do the? Yeah, Ivan Reese does the art, and yeah. that means that the book is perfectly drawn in every way because I fucking yeah. love Ivan Reese's art. And <laughs> and they kind of took. I mean, Lois and. John are out of the picture right now, which is kind of interesting too. Yeah, which uh, you didn't read Man of Steel, but that was yeah, Man yeah. of Steel. 
Yeah, I kind of, they kind of recapped you in this issue, but... A little bit, yeah. Yeah, so now it's really just the Superman book. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll see. I liked it. I mean, it was good, for sure. Um, with the whole Phantom Zone, like, the city being in a Phantom Zone now, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, where they took it, with the Earth being in the Phantom Zone, uh be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, every villain is up for grabs now. So... Uh, also this week, I read, um, where the hell is it? it? I read Oblivion Song number five by Kirkman. Oh, yeah. Um, that was a good issue. That was. It really got the story moving. Yeah, because we finally meet up. Uh, he finally finds Ed, his brother. Um, and you find out that maybe not everybody wants to leave. Yeah, there's a couple twists in here. Like, not everybody wants to leave this world. They think this is where mm-hmm. they belong, which was a twist of uh, you kind of see coming, but I honestly didn't. And oh. then the other story, the B story, where the uh, United States government is kind of looking over this whole operation and comes mm-hmm. in and checks everything, and they find out that our main character had been building a bomb the whole time and not a small bomb. Big bomb. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, think he, I think he's planning on destroying that other world. Yeah. So, it yeah, it was, it, I've loved the book so far, but this issue took the story the furthest in one issue. Like, it really yeah. brought everything together and showed the complexity of what Kirkman has going on here. Yeah, and I'm sure, I, I don't know, like, was he planning on getting everybody out before he destroyed the wants to destroy the place or just um his brother just his brother right yeah yeah that's a good question so yeah it's really interesting um yeah it was a good issue also uh i read the um robert geronimo book of, uh, yeah. yeah blood uh Oh my God. Blood Realm. Just, Blood Realm, sorry. Yeah, uh, really great. The art, if you, okay, so if you love horror movies, if you love myth, mythological stuff, read this book. The art alone is like a Sin City black and white with a highlight. It's it's the background, what you're reading now, or what you're seeing now. Um, I don't want to give too much away. Uh, you just got to read it. There's, there's a lot of really... A lot of deep mythological lore going on here. Um, there's a war between the humans and uh, these beasts, and um, there's these protagonists that are they're like uh, divine nuns that have these these powers. Uh, we talked. I mean, we talked about it in the interview, so you guys know. But I really liked it. Um, I'm going to be picking it up as long along with all the other issues too. What, what did you think? I absolutely loved it. Uh, the art yeah. was really fantastic. It had like a cave painting kind of mythological mm-hmm. yeah, painting yeah. style to it and it really added yeah. to the tenseness of the story uh the book comes out at the end of august uh order it from your comic shops it's well worth your time and it's a buck 50 i mean alternas releasing these books cheaply and selling them cheaply and uh it just they got some cool books at a very affordable price so check those out yeah for sure head up alterna comics Go to, I mean, yeah, you just go to the main webpage and it's just tons of books, $1.50. Come on, you can't beat that. Yeah. So, my turn. I got a ton of books. So, 
Yep. He went over, or Mike went over a bunch of them, but I also read from Alterna Eden number one, which will be out later this month, July 25th. Uh, I really liked Eden. If you get a chance, uh, check it out. It's uh, once again July twenty fifth, a buck fifty. It's a very it's a sci fi story where this woman loses her child. She's on an adventure to find the child and has to go through these trials to get to it. And uh, it creates a very cool sci fi world, almost like if you are a Starcraft fan, the world that they're entering reminds me a lot of the Zerg, which is what oh, okay. like, kind of brought me in. So I really like that. Uh, Justice League number three. Fuck, Justice League is good. Um, oh my god, yeah. So, little thing about Justice League, I apparently missed a couple of those issues, so I gotta go back and read those. But I, I will I will be reading Justice League. Yeah, there's just so much going on, and it's so over the top. Uh, you got Batman, Hawkgirl, inside of Martian Manhunter and Superman's body, trying to fight off this infestation. The source wall is all fucked up, and John Stewart is now in Sinestro's new Lantern Corps, which was a uh, I forget the exact style, but it's a color we can't see. It's nuts, and everybody should be reading it. I we will the, be. We have the final issue of I Hate Fairyland, and uh, Gert had to fight the Dark Claudia, and. She finally does and is able to escape Fairyland. And we end it with her back in the real world where she has a desk job and is wishing that she could go back to Fairyland now. <laughs> uh, 20 issues. Scotty Young Art picked this book up and trade when it comes out. Uh, Quantum Age number one. This is a Black Hammer book from Jeff Lemire. It's the Black Hammer universe, thousands of years in the future. Basically, at one point, aliens came and invaded Earth. So now Earth is uh, protected against uh, Martians and different aliens. And all along, this one alien who wasn't a part of the whole invasion is trying to get back the Quantum League to try to fight uh, different enemies that are coming. So it's a cool, it's almost like Legion of Superheroes. I mean, all these Black Hammer books have their kind of Marvel or DC version that they're basing it after. Legion of Superheroes, if you're a Legion fan, Jeff Lemire, check it out. Yeah, I completely missed that book. even came out. I'll have to get it. Um, and two, I want to go a little deep on. So I'm going to start with Robert Kirkman did a stealth launch last Wednesday. So he didn't tell anyone was coming. He just sent these books out to the comic shops for free and they were able to sell them it is uh him scott gimbal from the walking dead tv show and chris burnham doing the art it's called die 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 book was really good it burnham is really kind of cleaned up a bit in his line work since he was working with grant morrison at least the last i saw and it's uh it's got a real almost mark millar feel where it feels kind of like uh Kingsman, Secret Service, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Where it's the secret organization and they're tasked with killing certain people to keep things running smoothly. But then hmm. they, they get attacked and now they have to find out who the mole is and all this. Really cool. Uh, and I just really suggest it. If you can find a copy of it, it's uh, definitely worth your time. 
That's pretty awesome they did that. I, I haven't picked up my books. So hopefully there's one in my in my book collection. And then the elephant in the room, Captain America number one. Oh. So I went into this book not feeling Tamahasi Coates. I didn't like what he was saying going into it. I wasn't a fan of the free comic book day issue. So I was worried. Mm-hmm. First issue is pretty good. Um, it does a great job of getting you caught up with where Cap is, what happened in Secret Empire, and why people are kind of hesitant to work with him. But at the same time, showing that he wants to get back to boots on the ground, Captain America. Um, it sets up the villain really well, that there's another organization working that's taking the place of Hydra. And that they are not good people. <laughs> They're very bad people. Uh, and then, uh, who was it? Lionel Francis Yu, the, his art is spot on. Um, I couldn't imagine anyone better for, Fanta- or for Captain America right now. Awesome. So all in all, I'll say some of the reviews were down on it. As a Captain America fan, I really enjoyed it. That was a good first issue. Um, the with Tamahasi Coates though, it really I want to see where this book ends up five six issues down the line because the biggest complaint he gets is that his stories don't really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it was a great first issue, and we'll see where it goes from there. But uh, it kind of. Uh, Calm me down a bit because I was legitimately worried about this book being awful. <laughs> That's never good when your favorite character is like, you're like, uh oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. So, Mike, with all that, yes, where can all these fine that. people find you on the internet? Um, after listening to us for two hours, uh, you <laughs> can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you, Christopher? They can find me at Fortress Chris on Twitter. Yeah. Very and cool. you know where to find the show, FCN underscore official, ForgeComicNews.com, YouTube.com slash ForgeComicNews, Twitch.com slash ForgeComicNews. Basically, take a website slash ForgeComicNews and we're there. Yeah, if everywhere. You're, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you give us a thumbs up, comment below, subscribe to the channel so you can keep up with everything going on with ForgeComicNews. And if you are listening to our beautiful, sultry voices, make sure to go to iTunes and... <laughs> <laughs> Give us a five-star review. It uh, helps with the algorithm bullshit and all that stuff. Do that. Makes us feel good. And then make sure to jump over to teespring.com slash FCN t-shirt to grab one of our wonderful shirts. Wonderful shirts. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for watching, everyone. No. Okay.